just closes his eyes and listens to the cheers. Little boy, he adjusts his hand, picks up his ball, stares at his bat, says, I am the greatest. The game is on the line, and he gives his all. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Kelly Franco Troop. This is a date with KFT, a date in October with KFT, episode 303 right now on the network. Before I bring Kelly on, just want to thank our audience here, 50,000-plus subscribers, 74 countries, grassroots MLB front offices. Your efforts have helped us push our show onto iHeart. we got our cup of coffee in the bigs now, so let's help keep us there. Make sure you give this show five stars. Give some great comments underneath it. It helps us battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like we do in baseball. With our show today, we got a lot of a lot of playoff baseball in store today. A lot of managerial musical chairs for the audience. Uh, there's nothing short of of action, especially at the end of the baseball season. But uh, with that, Kelly, I want to welcome you back to your show. Dave, after all this time, we finally have a date in October. Yeah, it's about time, right? It's right. Uh, We've had that title hanging out there forever, and people were wondering if we were ever going to deliver on it. We finally delivered, but we don't have any control of the calendar. So it's October 3rd, finally, and uh, playoffs are set. Not even close to what we thought they were going to be last, the last time we talked. There was so much, so much things, uh, so many things jumbled around with it, but we do have the playoffs set now. And um, But before we get to our main segment, I, I probably skipped a few innings here. We got to get to the top of the first right now, which is your initial segment, and we've had a lot of managerial musical chairs. Who, who do you want to address first? Well, the big news over the weekend was that Buck Showalter was out for the Mets. You know, everyone knows they've brought in David Stearns to be the new president of baseball operations. And it's not surprising when a new person comes in and wants their old people there. I think we all know that that's the way it goes sometimes. But I got to say, I have a little bit of a soft spot for Buck Showalter, not only because he was manager of the year last year and did a great job with the Mets last year, but because he's a real baseball man and he has built some of the great teams that we have seen in the last 30 years. He built that Yankees dynasty team and he may have built that D-backs team that won in 2001. So he's a good guy. He just doesn't have the hardware to show it. Yeah, I forgot about the deep backs. He was with Baltimore, too, and Texas as well. And he has a knack for understanding how the minor league system works and how to develop prospects and when the timing is right. And I, I don't think he had that kind of control, whether it was the time with the Mets or the control they gave him. There were some guys they brought up they had to rely on that just weren't ready. And he had some injuries, too. You know, his closer obviously went down on the World Baseball Classic. That hurt a ton. Um, but you know, there's a coincidence with this particular, um, it's a firing, but as it came out, it looked like a resignation. There was so much confusion with the Mets. It was apropos with how they run things down there, but there's a common denominator between Buck Walters firing, Joe Madden's firing, Mike Sosha's firing, and that's one Billy Epler. He has had a hand in all of those. So I'm wondering at what point in time the, the, the scope starts turning to him. Well, that's a really interesting point. And I had guessed that Buck was going to be able to hang around for 2024. I figured Stearns was going to want to bring his own team in. But 
Buck has always been so good with the youngsters, which you just referenced. And I thought, well, the Mets will be young next year, so maybe he'll get a shot. But I guess not. Yeah, it's it's. I think when they announced Stern, I saw to the writing on the wall, and Buck may have known mid-season um, that that things weren't turning his way. But uh, as we know now, the manager has less and less control within the dugout and personnel decisions, not like it was in the past. And, you know, things change. That's, that's okay. But I, I often find it hard to, to, I, I, it's, it's tough for the managers nowadays. Let's just leave it at that, that they're, they are held responsible for a lot of things they may not have control over. It seems that way to me. I got to say, who do you think is going to come in for the Mets? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would put my, let's see, I'm going to put money on Craig Council. I think he's stepping away from the Brewers. I think there's a relationship between him and Stearns. Um, Craig Council with the Brewers, I could see as a potential candidate. He's going to want to bring in one of his guys, somebody he's familiar with. So that's a possibility, I think, in the Mets. I don't know any, I don't have any inside scoop. I'm just, uh, I'm just throwing a suppose out there. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think Council is going to have a full dance card because there are other spaces open here, and I think people are going to want to talk to him. Kapler is out with the Giants, and I just saw last night that Phil Nevin is out with the Angels. Yeah, yeah. We do. Um, and then you have Terry Francona. Obviously, he retired uh, from Cleveland. But uh, what's, what's your thoughts on uh, those other two resignations, firings, however you want to? Well, Kepler's kind of an interesting situation. He actually had a decent first half of the season, but he had a bad end of the season and they fell out of contention. And I understand that there were some reports out there that he had a very laid back clubhouse. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I really don't know, but um, he was there for four seasons. He only made the playoffs once in those four and he wasn't in the race. And he had some bad losses at the end of the season. They lost three out of four at Coors Field, which you just can't do. Yeah. It was a bad end. Yeah, nobody's done that, I don't think, <laughs> in a long time. Lost three out of four to, to the Rockies. The uh, Yeah, the, I, I don't think they – I mean, they tried to go out and get judged. They tried to get some talent up there, but I don't think he had the, the greatest lineup to work with in the world. But I also don't know that he had the necessary experiences to – have success, but that, that seems to be the common trend right now when they're hiring skippers out there, uh, you know, outside of Francona and Showalter, um, you know, and, and, uh, Bruce Bochy, they seem to be going with young guys. Even Boone was, had no experience before he stepped into the managerial role with the Yanks. And, you know, they, they seem to want those guys who don't have this experience going through the minors. And I don't know why, maybe it's, I don't know if it's a, they don't know what the question Maybe they feel like they've got a blank slate and they can help develop the, the manager. Who knows? But uh, I think Kapler fell into that that category. He had one year as a manager. He made an effort to get into the analytics, but I think some of the odd things that you're, you're talking about, like I had people call me and tell me instead of doing pregame, you know, PFP or ground balls or base running, they're doing yoga, Zen stuff in the outfield, in the right field. And uh, I'm not saying that mobility like that isn't helpful, but uh, when you're on the field, you certainly – they want to use the field. You could do that stuff in the exercise room. Well, I'm kind of laughing because I'm a big fan of yoga, but I no, see your point. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I get, there's there's other there's other priorities once you step on the field, and you know, that stuff uh, mobility is important, um, especially with how bulky these guys are nowadays. But uh, yeah, it was almost like that was the presentation that was going to be the the show, as opposed to actually fielding ground balls. But uh, are there any uh, any candidates that you have in mind that you'd like to see get back in or get a shot um, at any of those jobs, or even one of those guys that like go resurface somewhere? Well, it does always seem like a game of musical chairs, like these guys get dismissed one place and then they show up another place. It's like a game of whack-a-mole. But yeah, Craig Council is the obvious one that everybody is going to be after. And then I have a couple of kind of, you know, little ideas in the back of my head. One of them was David Cohn. And I think he would make a great manager. I really enjoy his podcast. I think he's very knowledgeable and has a ton of insight. I don't know if he has any desire to do that. I think him and Paul O'Neill both have, you know, Paul O'Neill with the Yankees as well. And, and, and they both have good insights into the game. I think they've both thrown their hat in the ring, to be honest, um, in certain situations, just haven't gotten a bite. It's it's an odd it's a ho- odd hiring world out there where Cone has embraced the the old school style, merged with the new school style. He's very bright. I mean, he's not a big guy. So to, to have the success he had at the level he had, it, you have to be a tremendous athlete, but you have to be um, a very intelligent individual to do the things that he did. So I like what he says as well. I'm a big fan of how he does. Now it's different, you know, doing on a podcast how, how it is when you're, you're managing, you know, 25 men, there's a whole different different, uh, approach to it. But I, I mean, why not really? Why not? He's, I think he'd be a great choice to, if not a manager, at least be a pitching coach with somebody. You know, when we talk a lot about the pendulum having swung too far in the analytics direction, one thing I like about Cone, and I listen to his podcast every week is that he really balances the analytics with the old school. He, uses the analytics in a very practical way. It's not to statistics for the benefit of statistics. Well, I would agree. He's, he knows a place for it and there is a place for it. There definitely is. And I think the guys that will, as this pendulum swings back, I think that's where it's going to kind of stop on those that, which makes sense. Those that have had the experience of possibly playing or doesn't have to be in the major league level, but uh, playing at a good level of baseball and, and possibly even coaching at that level. And then also uh, understanding how to use all this new data. Cause it's, you know, you, there's a difference between um, intelligence and information and the, the, the military will, will uh, can break that down for you rather than myself. But I think he, I think he understands intelligence. I think he gets it. He knows what to use, when to use it, um, how much to use and, and when not to use it. Cause he's been there before. So a lot of these guys that are that are managing now, or even coaching in the bigs, never even played professional. In some cases, college baseball, um, and they're they're instructing at the highest levels uh, right now, and that's uh, it's causing a little bit of a rift in our game. But uh, you know, with rifts come questioning, and hopefully, questioning turns it into a, a positive direction for us because there is some really good stuff about baseball. Really good stuff. That, there is. That is there is. Missed. So, but um, what else you got for the top of the first. Well, I think that's pretty much it. I wanted to give um, just another name out there that I thought could be on the scene for the Mets, a little bit of an underdog. His name is Ray Montgomery. He's the Angels bench coach. 
And as I understand it, he worked with Stearns in Milwaukee as a scouting director. And so he has that relationship. He grew up in New York as a Mets fan. And being with the Angels, he would certainly have a relationship with Otani, if that's still on anybody's radar. Um, so he could be a, a contender out there. But I do think Craig Council is going to be the popular choice. Yeah. And we have our very own Jim Rooney, who does a podcast on Fridays for his Toe the Rubber. Uh, he was the Brewers pitching coordinator for a number of years, as well as their scouting coordinator. So he has a relationship there as well. He kind of shot me a text. I think it may have been on Facebook, uh, hire me, um, you know, with, with the Mets. So, um, there, there's a lot of good names that'll circulate. It's a cup. I would think it's a coveted job. It's been very dysfunctional for a long time, but, uh, they have the money. It's a great location and there's no reason why either New York team can't be great. If you're seeing teams like the Miami Marlins make the playoffs and, um, you know, Everybody and their everybody and their brother makes the playoffs now, right? But uh, but yeah, these these low market, you know, very uh, minute spending teams are making it over these teams that are spending billions. So there is a way. So I think New York's a good market. I'd love to see Willie Randolph get get back in and the bench, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime oh, soon. I'm a big Willie Randolph fan. Wouldn't that be great? Love them with the Mets. Love them with the Yankees because he was. I thought he was a great skipper with the Mets. I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, loved him as a bench coach for Joe Torre. I think he was third base coach for a bit too, but, uh, yeah, I think he's got a, a, uh, he's got all the things we talked about. Uh, you know, it's a matter of, Hey, hey does he want to do this at this point in time in his life? But Don, Don Mattingly be a nice, uh, nice grab. Boy, wouldn't that, uh, put a little spur on the, the Bronx bombers if Mattingly turned up in a Mets uniform. Wouldn't it? Boy, that would be major back page material, as we would have called it when we were young. But uh, he's hot and heavy with the Nashville Stars trying to get that expansion team there. Yeah, he's uh, David Dombrowski, too, the Phillies general manager. He was the main consultant with that group before he took the Phillies job. Um, and then when Philly opened up, he he, he jumped on board with them, does fin- has done fantastic work with getting that ship righted. And uh, Mattingly would be a great choice because Dave Stewart's heavy into that organization, former Oakland A's, uh, Blue Jays pitcher. Um, but uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if they don't grab Dombrowski back as well um, if, if that thing takes shape with Nashville. So it's been going on for a while. They've been pushing that thing for gosh, I think five, six years now, and uh, they're trying to model it after the old Nashville Stars, the old Negro League team. So that uh, certainly would be, would be a. I'd love to see Mattingly back anywhere um, where he's. He's managing. So, um, well, t- well, top of the first, we, 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 we covered that. Now we're getting to the, the meat and potatoes of things. The, uh, the heavy hitting, we got the playoffs finally here. And, uh, I always joke, we'll be going until Christmas time. It feels like sometimes with the playoffs, how long it goes, but did it shape up how you expected it to? Cause up until like even two days ago, there was, there was uncertainty as to who was the division winner. I think Houston won out in their division over Texas. That was crazy. Wasn't it in the NL West? Let me tell you, I tried to prepare for this a few days ago. I always get you my notes a few days before the show. And as you know, I texted you and threw my arms up in the air. I said, I can't do this. I got to wait till the end of Sunday's games. And that American League West was just the Wild West. When the dust settled, the Astros were on top. The Rangers let it slip through their fingers. They got the fifth seed wild card. And the Mariners are playing golf. Yeah. And I, there was a time where the Rangers looked like 
they were battling for the wild card, then they had secured the lead and then they lost the lead. And yeah, Seattle stole, I think they held steady the whole time, but everybody just kept jumping over the top of them. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the matchups are good. Uh, I, I was excited to see Baltimore get to 100 wins. I think that's exciting for that franchise without question. And then the matchups, though, what, which, uh, which, which matchup do you want to start with? Which one intrigues you the most? Well, I think right out of the gate, we have to take a look at the Twins. because So they're playing the Jays. Today is the crazy day. We have four games going on. In fact, it's notable that in this wild card round, Dave, all the games are played at the home ballpark for the higher seed. So it's a best of three, three games in a row, no days off, all at the ballpark of the higher seed. There's no traveling to the other ballpark. So that's just a little piece of information that I stumbled on that I had forgotten about from last year. But yeah, you got to look at the Twins playing the Jays because the Twins have a great starting rotation, but there's always that asterisk where they're kind of the Rodney Dangerfields of the postseason because they haven't won a postseason game since 2004. So I got on Google who won that game. Johan Santana won that game. Oh, wow. That's a long yeah, time ago. That's a long time ago. And Dave, if, if you were there, would you have taken a picture? No, not unless you had an actual Canon camera because nobody had an iPhone the last time the Twins won a postseason game. So this is a long time ago. They've lost 18 straight postseason games. So do you think they can do this? They have the talent, but can they get over the demons? Yeah, they've got a nice pitching staff. I think both of those, uh, both the Twins and the Jays have pitching staffs that I like. Here's a here's the thing with the Twins, and I don't have the names in front of me, but they had two guys that were on the DL that they brought back into the fold late in the season. I mean, really close to the end. Both guys are being used in the pen. At this time of year, one of the, the the main things I was looking at is overuse of bullpens. That's one of my favorite numbers to look at uh, coming into postseason because starters go so uh, they, they four and a third is like a normal start now. So bullpens are getting abused throughout the season, and to see who's out of gas. The Twins have two guys, and I'll find it. I'll put it in your show notes for social media. But there's two guys they brought back into the fold that were out on injuries. Arms are fresh. They're throwing uh, late inning setup, so they're throwing like inning six and seven for them, and uh, they have they have maybe a dozen innings logged into their arm. It's like they're coming out of spring training right now. So that's something I'm going to watch. But I like the Jays too. The Jays have a good young lineup. Really love Bo Bichette. Uh, their shortstop came back from injury as well. But they have four pitchers on their staff that that had I think it was when they were playing the Yankees. They said four pitchers which is fairly rare, um, have over 175 strikeouts on the season, which means they're throwing you know, close to 170 innings to get that, which is, again, it's a high number nowadays. I think we had five starters in MLB throw 200-plus uh, innings, and just five years ago we had 47. Um, so that number is getting low. But that's gonna be, I think it's going to be a really fun matchup with those two organizations. Dave, was one of the guys you were thinking of Kenta Maeda? No, no, it was, uh, gosh, I, I wish I could remember. I'll, I'll look it up before the show. Paddock? Paddock was one of them. Yes. Yeah. And we've also one. got Bailey Ober, Johan Duran, Duran, and Brock Stewart. I don't know. Yeah, if I know. I, I know Paddock was one. I can't remember the other one, but yeah, Paddock was a flamethrower, had some issues. Uh, now he's, uh, he's, he's, he's going to, I think he'll help him in the postseason. 
a little bit, at least with the the broken down bullpens. And again, that's a minute detail that may or may not come into effect based on the score of the game, but it's, I think it's a card that the Twins may have in their back pocket if if it comes down to it. So. Well, bullpens are so important in the postseason, and you're right. The starters have short outings, and so it's helpful. I think some of these teams will take their number four starter and move them to the bullpen as an innings eater if they need them. Yeah, tough. it's a tough adjustment. People don't realize it. They think it's just because there's a whole different warm-up procedure. These guys are you know, locked into their, their routine, so some starters take to it, some don't. But uh, it's something you have to do because it is a it's a three starter postseason until unless you get later and you need that fourth one based on the way the days are. Yeah, that's another factor to take a look at which fourth starter adjusts better to the pen. Toronto does have a nice starting rotation, and uh, they actually have a couple of demons themselves. They were swept in the wild card in their last two playoff appearances in 2020 and 2022, and they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. Oh, well, someone's got to win. Right, someone's got to win. But their <laughs> offense their offense has the big names. I mean, Springer, Bichette, Vladdy. Um, but they haven't quite produced this year like they did last year. Yeah, Vlad, uh, they had some gaudy numbers, I think, last year. Bichette was out a little bit. Guerrero might have been out, too, a little. Uh, I When I watched them against the Yankees, this was probably the third series, uh, the third last series toward the end. Uh, I like the way they moved the ball around against the Yankee starters. Uh, I thought they, especially that that middle lineup. But, yeah, you're right. Vladdy had some gaudy numbers uh, over the last couple of years, not so much this year. But Bichette, to me, again, he's he's, he's got a big swing. But I, I, I love his approach to the plate. Uh, Biggio's starting to come into his own. Uh, they're moving him around the field a little bit. I do like Springer. Uh, I thought Springer's had a – had a uh, no one knew what was going to happen to him after he left the Astros and went to Toronto. He had an injury in there as well. But uh, really, really emerged as a leader uh, in their offense. So – It'll be it'll be fun. Somebody new is going to emerge out of that playoff series, which to me is exciting. And uh, both teams have a lot of good young stars. Uh, pitching staff, especially with the Twins, got, got a lot of good young ones. And uh, Sonny Gray will make an appearance in this playoff, former Yankee at one time. Oh, yeah. Hand. And he has really blossomed, hasn't he, out in Minnesota? So he'll probably get game two. Pablo Lopez is starting game one for them. And that was a nice trade that worked out for the Twins and for the Marlins. Um, yeah. The Twins dealt Luis Arise to get Lopez, and everybody's been happy with that. Yeah, Lopez is one of the – people don't get to watch him much because he's in Minnesota. It's not a mainstream market, but he's one of the best young pitchers in baseball. Jim Cott speaks volumes about him, loves his approach to the game, and uh, also Sonny Gray, two very different pitchers. Uh, you know, Gray reinventing himself again in Minnesota. Great career in Oakland before he went to the Yankees. Didn't you know quite pan out for him in New York, and now he's – He's back to being Sunny Gray, which is which is fun to watch. But yeah, you mentioned Arise, second second straight batting title, first guy to ever win it consecutively in different leagues. So he won his second batting title this year, hitting what I think three fifty four with Miami. Oh, it's going to be fun to watch him. And yeah, I'm thinking of Sun Yankee fans watching Sunny Gray and Jordan Montgomery. Um, yeah. And That's then just I'll go cry in their beers. Well, I'm I'm one of them. I'll go cry yeah. in my beer. 
Montgomery's a tough one. Well, what about the uh, the Rangers and the Rays? Another fun series. I like the way the Rays. Uh, I mean, they lost Wander Franco early on, um, had some off the field issues, and they just didn't miss a beat. And uh, you know, Texas with bringing in Bruce Bochy uh, and losing. You know what they they had two. They made the trade for. Um, they made the trade mid season with the Mets, and then. Um, they signed uh, Degrom. Was it Degrom they had off season from day one? Yeah, yeah. Year. So they had Scherzer and Degrom. Uh, easy come, easy go, as they say. Yeah, they still won without him. Yes. With yeah. Teams. Well, they had some other starters step up. Um, Nate Eovaldi has been great, and Montgomery was a terrific trade deadline acquisition for them. Oh yeah. Talk, talk about now Evaldi, right? Former Yankee again. Didn't pan out in New York and panning out somewhere else. But uh, yeah, Evaldi throws. He's got good good arm action, good movement on the ball. And uh, he he's he's become their top line starter, right? With the other two guys being out. Uh, yeah, well, until Montgomery came to town. Montgomery is starting game one. Oh, wow. But yeah, Evaldi definitely held down the four. And Andrew Heaney also has been really good. And you know... Uh, Nate Ivaldi has had two Tommy Johns. Oh, that's about the max, right? I don't know. I don't know if anyone's gone for three. I don't know either. Just running out of tendons to put in that arm from different parts <laughs> of the body. I was joking with, I can't remember who it was. Uh, now it's a shoot. I'll remember on a text, but guy played back in the eighties. Uh, but he made the joke to me on, on text, he's like, geez, when I was playing, the only guy that I knew that got Tommy John surgery was Tommy John. Now everybody gets it, kids all the way up to to adults. But yeah, it should be fun. I'm glad uh, Bruce Bochy, you know, did his magic. It was very, it would probably been very easy for them not to make it with the injuries going on. But Corey Seager, to me, had an MVP type year, um, you know, for them at shortstop and Marcus Simeon. They spent the money on that middle infield and they paid off. You know, Corey Seager, I think, really benefited from the shift restrictions this year. He had a great year. Marcus Simeon's been great to watch. And their lineup is healthy, unlike the Rays. The Rays have some injury issues they're dealing with. Um, I mean, they're starters. They've been dealing with that problem all year. Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, Shane McClanahan, um, gone. You mentioned Wander Franco. Brandon yeah. Lowe is out for four to six weeks with a kneecap fracture. Oh, Jose Siri, I guess, broke his hand, and I thought he was done for the season. But then I read he was taking BP. Uh, Yandy Diaz has been in and out of the lineup, so um, they have some lineup issues. But I, you know what, I still like their the Rays' uh, pitching staff. They got Tyler Glasnow, Zach Eflin, and they got Aaron Savali at the trade deadline. So that's yeah, not that's too shabby. Great acquisition with Savali, I think, as well. They, they just do a good job of developing players. And with all those injuries you mentioned, it's not uncommon for them each year to have guys like a low be out of the lineup and then they just plug another guy in and it seems like they don't miss a beat. Yandy Diaz to me was a sleeper this season. Um, you know, not a big name out there as a corner guy. And he was mentioned, you know, his numbers weren't quite as good, but he was mentioned in the MVP talks as well. Um, puts the ball in play. Defends his position well. He, they bat him leadoff. He's not the traditional leadoff guy. I guess nobody is anymore. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, one, wonderful season for Diaz this year. I thought he, he did great. I, I always like watching the Rays because I want to see. Okay, what are they going to do now? What are they going to do next? And um, they, I think they just do it. They do a good job of playing fundamental baseball. 
I think they do a great job of it and they really know how to make it work. They know how to make a trade. They know how to fill in the holes like you just mentioned. And I think that they are going to win this series. And Bruce Bochy is a great manager. But one problem I think the Rangers are really going to have is their bullpen. They've had some issues there. If their starters can go deep, maybe they can survive. But I think the bullpen is going to be an issue. Yeah. So your your pick is the the Rays in that one. Who who are you picking in the Jays and the Twins? Jays. Okay, good. That's, that's, and, uh, and I think the Twins have the talent, but you got to pick against the Twins until they give you a reason not to pick against them. Yep, I did read that in your notes. I kind of gathered, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to speak on your behalf on that. So Twin, it'll be the uh, the Jays against the Rays. Is your or not the Jays against the Rays? The Jays and the Rays will advance, and you got the Orioles and the Astros waiting for them in the second round. Any uh, any thoughts on those two? I know we, uh, you know, we well, don't quite know who they'll match up. but Yeah, a quick look ahead. So uh, the whoever prevails between Jays and Twins will p- play the Astros, and the winner of Rays Rangers will play the Orioles. Um, you know, the Orioles did great this year. They really deserve that buy. The Astros, I think they kind of backed into it. And again, you know, back to the Rangers. Oh, boy, if they just could have held on because they missed it, it slipped right through their fingers. They missed that Western Division title, and they could have had a bye. But now the Astros got it. And you know what? Now the Astros are going to be their old selves. They're going to get back in their very well-experienced postseason form. And it's hard to count against them. Yeah, I'm with you on the Astros. I, I love what the Orioles did. I'm, I'm secretly rooting for them. Now that 50,000 plus people know it, in 74 countries now I'm rooting for the Orioles in the American <laughs> League playoffs. But I just like I like how that young team's emerged. They were down for so long, and they've got a storied franchise, and just it was became way too acceptable for the last decade. Now they're back. Looks like they've got the right guys for a long time. And um, but yeah, the Astros now for me. I think a lot like on the other side, like the Phillies, they know when to peak and not that you can turn it on and turn it off. It'll bite you sometimes, but I just think they get it. They've been there enough to where um, regardless what happened during the season, they, they, they're they the, uh, to me, they're the favorite in the American League. I wanted to ask your opinion because you're so familiar with working with young players. How do you think it works with the Orioles being such a young team? Do you think it helps because they don't have the baggage that veterans do, or do you think it's going to hurt because they don't have the experience? Uh, it's like popcorn in a pan. Sometimes it pops, sometimes it doesn't. Popcorn, I think the uh, again. I think the uh, the I wanted to I wanted to watch the Orioles down the home stretch when they they had the lead. They almost gave it up. You saw Tampa close the gap on them. I was curious to see how because they had never been in this situation before. None of those guys. And they, they responded very well. So this is a whole new journey for them in the playoffs. What they showed in, you know, the, the late August, September days, and I mean this with all due respect and total compliments, sometimes young and dumb is good where they just don't know any better. And they're going out there playing. They're having fun. This is just baseball. And today's kids, if you think about it different than, than, than my generation, the pressures that maybe if I were there when I was 21 – the pressures I would have felt would have been different than maybe these kids nowadays because their whole life is un, is just out there. So things that I would have seen as pressure packed and not in a bad way, but just, you know, they're, they're, this is something new and different. 
I don't think these kids have, they have different anxieties, believe me, but playing in the playoffs may not be one of them because they've, they've been playing on in their mind, these big stages their whole lives. Um, so as everything's on social media now. And so, yeah, I, 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 I think the Orioles are going to just keep chugging along. I do. And, uh, Boy, I'd love to see him win that American League. That would be phenomenal to see this young team with high energy playing the game the right way. Um, young stars that are, gosh, just barely old enough to vote. And uh, they're out there uh, putting it on for, for America. So, yeah, I'd love to see him. All indications point that they're, they're going to be fine. But the thing that bothers me the most with them is this time off, these six days off. Baseball is a game to me that's meant to be played every day. And when you have six days off, that's the part I'm curious to see how they respond. Um, Cause they haven't had six days off since I don't even know the all-star breaks, not even six days anymore for some of them. So that's, that's the, the Astros will know how to handle it. That's the part I'm curious to see how the Orioles come back from those six days off. That's a great point. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch them. I'm really happy for their fan base. On my way to work every day, there's a a Jeep that on its spare tire on the back, it's got the Orioles bird on it. And I always just feel like pulling over into their house and being like, you know, go get them. But you probably think I was a nut, so I haven't done that yet. Yeah, there's you're in the legal field. There's probably some restraining orders thrown out there on you. Right. Even though though there was intentions were good. uh, (laughs) What about the NL now, the D-backs and the, uh, you got the the early games, D-backs and Brewers. Yeah. uh, So the D-backs, they have been picking it up offensively. I mean, they've got Corbin Carroll, who's going to be the rookie of the year. Um, They have a a nice speedy lineup, some good supporting players. Um, Lourdes Gurriel is over there. Geraldo Perdomo, um, Christian Walker. They've got Kettle Marte is over there. But they're starting rotations kind of interesting. They've got Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. Um, and aside from that, I don't know who they really have. I mean, they are, oh, you know, they got this Brandon Fat starting game one, which is interesting. I, I was thinking for sure they'd start Zach Gallen, but I went back and I looked at their regular season schedule and maybe he just needed another day of rest, I guess. Um, yeah, he's been, as of late, he's been doing well. Um, that, that's a, I think that's a great one-two punch with the two of them. Gallon will throw, Gallon will give him, he'll give the bullpen a rest. He's one of those old school guys that'll go, you know, seven plus um, in the playoffs. He's proven it during the season. I, I like their group. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Carroll, another really good young star that's produced the whole year. And the Diamondbacks lineup, you know, you, met, you, met, you mentioned Walker, right? Christian Walker. Mm-hmm. He's been one of the most productive first basemen in the league um, over over the last few years, and nobody talks about him. Kettle Marte mm-hmm. is forgotten out there. One of the best, in my mind, one of the best leadoff men in the game. Plays center, plays second, plays short. Um, switch batter for them, but he's yeah. They've got a they've got a good young they've got a good team. Uh, Arizona. I think their scouts did a great job of not just finding the uh, under the radar talent, but locking in some stars like they have with Carroll and. Brewers are the Brewers. I uh, I marvel at how they just they chug along, but they've had some pitching injuries too. Woodruff, I saw his press conference last night. It was a very uh, tearful press conference. Yeah, and that is going to have an impact. I felt bad for him. So they're starting pitching. The the trio we had been looking for was Corbin, Bur- Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Brandon Woodruff. 
And we just found out last night that Brandon Woodruff is not going to pitch in the wild card series. And who knows if he'll be available after that, if there is something to be available for. So that's too bad because I had pitched the Brewers in this largely on the basis of their great starting pitching. Me too. We'll have to see how it goes now. Me too. I was right there with you. Um, I thought uh, Woodruff's a workhorse and hopefully he's back for the second round if they make it in the second round. But, you know, we talked about Craig Council being a, you know, very effective skipper and they, they've got a, the Brewers are another team with, with a lineup that if you lined up 10 people, baseball fans on the street, I don't think they could name five guys in the lineup, the starting lineup for them. They do have Christian Yelich, uh, yeah. but uh, I, I like, that's going to be a fun series to watch because it's going to, I think it's going to help America see some guys that maybe they don't see mainstream every day. And they're going to learn to appreciate the Christian walkers of the world out there. So we got about the, what about the Marlins and the Phils? Uh, Marlins GM just got named, I think executive of the year yesterday. You know, I really like Kim Ang and I hope that, well, she's already had success with the Marlins by getting them into the postseason. And so I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm really excited for her. And I think she made some interesting moves in the offseason that paid off this year. And the Marlins, their bugaboo is that they don't score a lot of runs, but they have somehow made it work. They really have. Now, they're up against the Phillies, and the Phillies can score runs. They have a tremendous lineup. And they have Nola and Zach Wheeler in their starting rotation. So they're going to be a formidable opponent. Plus, they won the pennant last year. Yeah, I, I liken them a lot to the Astros because the Phillies were down and out midseason and just kept getting a little bit better, a little better. Upswing happened a little bit with Trey Turner when he turned the corner. Um, when the Phillies, we chronicled it on this show, when the Phillies gave him that standing ovation, he was hitting seventh and he's just taken off from there but I like the way the Phillies run their their show I think their pitching's in line to have success they're healthy uh, and their offense as you mentioned is second to none they they're they're one of the most stable lineups in the league meaning that they I think they're one of the top four teams in terms of putting the same lineup on the field every day which means guys are healthy guys know where they're hitting and the manager has a has a hand in what's going on, understanding that, you know, I know which guys are going to take the post every day. So I like the Phillies in this one too. Rooting for Marlins. I, I you know, I love to see that young, that young group do well, but the Phillies to me are just way too stable in how they approach things. You mentioned Trey Turner. They've got Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, and yeah. then they've got like the supporting guys, JT Realmuto, Alec Bohm, Nick Castellanos. You know, when Wheeler, he's pitching today, he can go deep into games, which is good. Nola has seen his home run numbers increase a little bit and his strikeout numbers decrease, but he's still darn good. Oh, he's phenomenal. And then they have some other options um, to help out, and they got Craig Kimbrell in the bullpen. Yep. Yeah, They even the guys you mentioned as supporting guys, those are all-stars. Yeah, right. Castellanos, Real Muto is arguably the best catcher in baseball. It's uh, – those that's nice to have supporting guys that have that distinction as as being uh, top players at their position in the league. Yeah, I think the Phillies too. And then you, we've got who the Dodgers and the Braves waiting in the wings as usual. Right? It's, it's the that's their normal normal spot in the playoffs. 
It is as usual. Um, but let me tell you, the Braves and the Dodgers have some pitching issues. Uh, the Braves, Morton has finger inflammation. He's out at least, I guess, for the division series. And Freed, I guess, has a blister on his index finger. He could be back in for the division series. So they're going to be relying on Spencer Strider, Bryce Elder, Kyle Wright. But the Braves have, they're such a huge offensive force that, you know, maybe that'll get them through a couple of these injuries in their rotation. Yeah, they'll put numbers up. They'll they'll protect their starters. But the three starters you mentioned for the Braves, I, I like them. They've been effective. Uh, be nice to have Morton in the mix because he is a veteran. He's been there before. But you look at the Braves lineup. When I mentioned stability of lineups, the Braves are number one in that. Those guys come to play every day. That's why I like them. I know everybody's on them. You you talk you had great information on historical data in the playoffs. We all know the Braves of the uh the nineties, right? They won they won ten, eleven straight pennants, but one I, World yeah. Series. They, and uh, I think they won their division maybe every year except ninety four or something. I yeah. mean insane they ran right through it and that's that's to me that's i think i heard glavin say this it's tougher to do that than to win two world series during that time although the the, obviously the statistics don't point to that so he made a great point but his actual numbers refuted his point but the uh i like i love i've loved watching the braves this year they put the same guys out every day guys have been healthy knock on wood uh you know understated stars there you know cunha's you know, been the main show, but you look at Austin Riley, uh, you know, if there's a better number three hitter in the league, I don't know. You show him to me. Uh, Ozzie Albies switch, switch hitting second baseman hits in the two hole for them. And then Matt Olson, people love Freddie Freeman, which I do too. He was a great pickup for the Dodgers and got even better going there. But Olson had some dominant numbers this year as his replacement in Atlanta. You got to hand it to the Braves, and you'll remember about a month ago I did a whole episode on them, but they really do it right. Oh yeah, people. Hopefully, people will mimic that youth. We 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 tried to send a note to the Yankees on that. I know mine got returned to sender when I put it in the mail, so I may have to try an email, but uh, try to model the Braves' signing prowess with their young guys. They have so many good young guys there. They want to keep. And what about the Dodgers now? Mookie Betts, uh, you know, you have two two MVP candidates on the same in the same lineup, Betts and Freeman. Um, any weaknesses with the Dodgers? Well, their pitching rotation doesn't look too great either. Um, Lance Lynn hasn't been that great so far um, since the trade deadline. Kershaw's questionable. Um, they got Bobby Miller, who is a really fun rookie to watch. He throws 100 miles an hour. Um, so that's good, but with the way their starting rotation is kind of looking right now, I'm wondering if they might try to do some kind of opener strategy when the NLDF starts, their bullpen's good. Um, and what's also good is LA has a history of strong pitching. I mean, going back, you know, to the beginning of time. So it's unusual for them to be looking at this type of woe for the postseason. Yeah. But if you remember in the beginning of the season, uh, they didn't have a shortstop at the beginning right. of the year. And people were like, this is a joke. There's no way they can survive. I think Kiki Hernandez stepped in. Then they made a nice trade midway through with uh, Rosario from the, in the uh, guardians. I have to call them the guardians um, from Cleveland, let's say. And he's done well. He was an all-star a year or so ago and, Nice stability there at shortstop, but yeah, they, 
they've done, I think they've done a great job again. They find a way it's a different way every year. Uh, but I, who, who do you see coming out of the, you know, I think you said the Phillies out of the Phillies Marlins series. And then you've got, do you have the D backs or the Brewers? Um, Brewers. Brewers coming out and then, um, facing the Dodgers and, and, uh, the Braves, who do you see coming out of that? Who do you see, who do you see battling in the AL championship and the NL championship? The NL pennant is going to be tough. Um, I wrote down Brewers versus Braves. Now I wrote that down before I knew about, uh, Brandon Woodruff's injury, but. You can be a mulligan here. You can, yeah. you can. No, I'm, I'm going to dance with the boy who brung me. I got you. Okay. And then what about the, what about going back to the, uh, the, the AL? Who you got there? That's a good question. I don't know if I wrote it down. So let me make a decision on the fly here. I'm definitely going Astros. I'm going Astros Rays is what I'm going on that. Okay. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a fun one. And who do you have meeting in the world championship as we egotistically, egotistically like to call it in baseball, the world series. <laughs> Let's go Rays Braves. Oh, wow. Okay. I like that. That'll be a fun. I, I I really want the Braves to get there as well in the NL. Just to we are in a copycat world, especially in sports, and I just hope they get there so people take a look, a strong look at how they're doing things and just mimic it. They play, they move guys around, they they do, but they hit, they run, they have stable lineups, they have great minor league system. I do as well, just for that purpose. And then uh, I'm hoping the O Birds get there. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the O Birds. I'm with you on the Braves. I'm gonna go O Birds, shock the world. And get to the uh, get to the World Series and uh, have a little fun, Atlanta, Baltimore. A little, yeah, little battle, the, battle the barbecue, right? Boog's Barbecue Pit out there in right center field, and right? you see the Georgia barbecue. So leads us into your food section, right? The uh, what to eat yeah. at the game. Well, we close every pod with talking about what's good to eat while watching a game, and you know what, Dave? October is here. And uh, the air is getting chilly, so I think chilly is a good thing to eat while you're watching a ball game. We just got some yesterday to, for for that purpose. Good, uh, it's like we're, we're in the symbiosis here. Yeah, we got some chili. You a spicy guy? Um, we we have different tastes in the house. So our oldest son is su- everything he likes super spicy, super hot. Um, I used to be that way, but now we have different. Uh, different stomachs as we get older. So I prefer a little bit mild, even a little sweeter with the chili. And I do like, I do like meat and beans in there. I do both. I, you know, I understand that if you go to some parts of the country, they would, you know, behead you for putting beans in your chili, but I do like uh, meat and beans. I like it spicy and I like to make chili. uh, I like to make cornbread with my chili, homemade cornbread. I use my sister Annie's recipe and the thing about my sister, Annie, she has great recipes and she does give them out. But if you make it, you have to tell the world it's her recipe. So, you know, if you get the compliments, you just, you have to give credit. So Annie, if you're listening, I'm giving you credit. Um, there's maple syrup in Annie's cornbread, lots of butter and also buttermilk, which gives it a tang. So you've got the sweet from the maple syrup and a little tang from the buttermilk. It's a good thing. I got spoiled when I was at Coach Cincinnati. It was one of my stops. I was when Cincinnati was in the Big East, so that kind of dates me a little bit. 
but uh, we were sponsored. Skyline Chili was one of our multi-million dollar sponsors. And so we had all you could eat Skyline Chili after games, as well as I'm trying to think of the sub place they had. It wasn't Jersey Mike's. That was New Jersey. Um, I'll remember after the show, I'll put it in there. But Skyline Chili is where I got introduced really to chili later in life. Uh, and uh, that's where I got the different dosage of how hot and spicy, kind of like when you get introduced to barbecue. I went to Alabama. I learned all the different barbecues, the Alabama, the Memphis, the North Carolina, and um, everywhere, everywhere you went, theirs was better. But uh, yeah, I, I like the chili idea too for the, the fall. Last night I was watching the games. I thought about it, but I was I, I was watching Monday Night Football thinking of the, the getting ready for the shows today. And I found myself eating hard, hard sourdough pretzels last night. Oh, those um, are addicting. So, so it's, yeah, I, I ate half a bag. The big ones too, not like little. They were the big solid ones that could rattle your teeth. So I had the half a bag of those while I was drinking some uh, some coffee. Always coffee. It's the dinner of champions. Yeah, that was late. That was like ten o'clock at night. But um, <laughs> watching the Giants flail. So my question now is: I know you're you're up in that region of the Northeast. Obviously, the Yankees and Mets didn't make the playoffs. The Giants and Jets look like they're not gonna. You know, they're not moving in that direction. Do we automatically just say, let's just eliminate the Knicks now? Well, that's a fascinating question about the Knicks. And I can't answer that question because I don't follow basketball enough. But what's funny is about three weeks ago, everyone up here who was a Yankee or a Met fan was saying, when is football season going to start? And then yesterday, or it must have been during the Giants game, somebody tweeted, when is baseball season going to start? Well, it was awful. I watched it last night. It was terrible. So um, the poor kid, Daniel Jones, got, he got sacked, I think, six or eight times in the first half. But by the middle of the third quarter, it was up to 10. And uh, he just he took a beating. And he the line just caved in on him. And he's still learning and whatnot. But, yeah, they look discombobulated. You got the kid, Barkley, out, who's their running back, number two draft pick. Years, a couple years ago, been injured more often than he's been on the field. And uh, yeah, they're a mess right now, as are the Jets a little bit with Aaron Rodgers going down. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see with the Knicks. Somebody asked me that question jokingly on Facebook uh, yesterday. I gave him a joking answer back and figured maybe we'd have an answer on the show for him today. We, we, we try to answer wise guy with wise guy, right? That was a wise guy question on their part. So but um, well, what, I know you're going to be off uh, for your, your – we won't share where you're going unless you want to. Uh, we don't want fans bothering you all over the globe here. But you're going to be off uh, next week as normal. But then your, your, your two-week show may get pushed back a week, right? Is that how we're looking at it? It may. It may. And that's what happens when uh, the Yankees and the Mets don't make the playoffs. We make a plan to take a short vacation. So we're going to do that, but I still have some videos that are in the can and ready to be dropped. And I dropped one today. If our listeners want to hop over to Twitter or Instagram at three inning fan, today's video was on 72 years ago. Today was the, do you remember? I don't No, I didn't get to watch it today. Shot heard round the world. Oh, yeah, I did watch that. Okay. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yeah, Bobby Thompson. I did see that. I know. 72 years. I couldn't believe it. I double-checked it on my calculator. I was like, that can't be right. But there was such a great story. Everyone knows about the shot heard round the world. It's. I taught a, a class at Cooperstown, as you know, up at the Hall of Fame. And one of the things I teach is the 10 pieces of baseball history everyone must know. And one of them is, what is the shot heard round the world? And so... 
most baseball fans know about that. But there was just the most wonderful tidbit about what I think is the most beautiful call in the history of baseball when Russ Hodges says, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant. And the only reason we have that piece of baseball history is because in 1951, someone named Larry Goldberg, who lived in Brooklyn, had to work and was going to miss the game. So he set up his tape deck next to the radio and he said, Mom, when the ninth inning comes around, would you please hit record so I can hear the end of the game? And Mrs. Goldberg hit record. And that is the call that we hear today. Mrs. Goldberg saved baseball history. Oh, wow. That's a great piece. That's a great nugget right there. You saved that to the end. I love that. That's good stuff. And um, so the audience can still, you'll still keep your regular posts out there on, on social with the, the three inning fan over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Stay tuned in, follow along and uh, you can see all the one minute videos because where else can you turn to learn something in a minute? Good deal. And we'll keep the audience posted as we get closer to that next date. If, if we have to push it back, uh, we'll let the audience know in advance, but a uh, great show today. Uh, really appreciate the effort you put into each episode and our audience, 50,000 plus subscribers, 74 countries. Thanks again for your strong push. Uh, helped us get on the iHeartRadio. We have a cup of coffee in the bigs now. Help us stay there. I want to get a number that's lower than number 79. That's what the, they give those big numbers to the guys that aren't going to stay in the bigs. We want one of those. We want a single digit number. And then um, with, with that, give me some time with our affiliates. Got everything queued up. We had a little bit of delay in it. We've got to make sure that logistically we're all set to go. Want to make sure everything's on the up and up. So we have another another couple of days to kind of get that straight, but you'll be rewarded handsomely once we, we get that rolling. I'm hoping by Wednesday, if not Wednesday, Friday. So be patient with me on that. We are going to take care of you guys. But Kelly, thanks so much for a great show again today. It's episode 303 at Dayton, October, finally with KFT. We appreciate you. It was great, Dave. Thanks so much. Yep, have a great vacation. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody. That is understood, but even I didn't know I could pitch that good.